Welcome, and let's first talk compliance. I'm Catherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow First Healthcare Compliance on Twitter at FirstHCC or on Facebook and Instagram at First Healthcare Compliance or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. On today's episode, we are speaking with Sarah Ryder, Vice President, Strategic Partnerships, Health e-filings about the topic of maximizing Medicare reimbursements by optimizing your MIPS score. The MIPS compliance landscape is very challenging and confusing. Understanding the requirements to earn points will significantly impact your Medicare reimbursements. Today, we will learn how to best approach MIPS compliance, discuss how MACRA is driving the transformation in healthcare, and why compliance is critical how the financial implications of MIPS are significant, why MIPS is complicated, discuss health e-filings advantages versus a registry and versus EHR. So hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me today on First Talk Compliance. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you again for being here. I really appreciate it. It's such a complicated subject that we're going to be discussing, and I hope you can help us navigate these waters. I, I appreciate it. Of course. Today, we're talking about Medicare reimbursement, MIPS scores, and optimizing this. It's a complicated subject for many, but before we do that, can you give me a little bit of background on where you're coming from about health e-filings, your background, things such as that? Yes, absolutely. As background, Healthy Filings is a technology company, and our core business, our core expertise is in regulatory compliance. So we've developed a cloud-based software that supports healthcare organizations, large or small, and within any specialty, to effectively track and analyze data for population health management initiatives and to easily comply with complex CMS programs such as MIPS. So at the heart of it, our ONC certified software extracts raw patient data from any certified EHR or billing system. And through our proprietary automated process, the software conducts data analysis, quality measure calculation, measure selection, and prepares an electronic MIP submission that we file on the healthcare provider's behalf to CMS. It's important to note that we're a CERT, a certified EHR technology, and while our certification falls under the same umbrella as an EHR's designation, we're not an EHR, nor do we intend to be an EHR, and there are fundamental differences between us. Our healthy filing software is fully HIPAA compliant. Our success rate is 100% with all submissions being accepted as valid submissions by CMS. You can see our core business, our core expertise is compliance, and specifically regulatory compliance related to CMS programs such as MIPS. That's our lane, that's where we focus, and that's where we excel. Talking about MACRA and MIPS, can you tell me more about what it is doing to drive the transformation in healthcare? Right. Okay, good question. MACRA is the bipartisan law passed in 2015 
designed to consolidate existing programs to facilitate a shift from a fee-for-service or a volume-based model to a value-based care model. The goal of the law is simplification and reducing the administrative burden on clinicians. And ultimately, this shift will reward practices for giving better care. So MACRA provides a significant shift in the compensation model for reimbursements. It's a budget-neutral program, so for every dollar paid in penalty, there must be a corresponding payout in positive payment adjustments. And what's clear is the goal of MACRA to refocus providers from merely using technology towards providers leveraging technology to improve outcomes. So CMS is pushing all practices toward using technology for this program because CMS sees the value that technology brings in terms of driving efficiencies and as a better way to gather and track valid data. This becomes relevant because CMS is looking for the program to help them A, track and assess the performance of our healthcare system as a whole, and B, set things like benchmarks that they will then use to determine how a clinician is doing against their peers. To help them, the validity of the data becomes much more critical, and the data submitted by technology has been determined to be more valid and therefore is more valuable to CMS, which is why CMS is awarding bonuses for submitting data through technology like a search. MIPS is the points-based program to help CMS implement MACRA and to achieve their goal of tying payments to quality and value. So it's a point-based program where the more points you earn, the greater your reimbursements and the avoidance of penalties. So the bottom line is points equal reimbursements. So compliance in the MIPS program is critical. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Sure. To put it into perspective how significant the MIPS program is, it was predicted that 800,000 Part B clinicians were subject to MIPS for the 2019 reporting period. So a significant segment of the market is eligible or required to submit for MIPS or they receive the automatic penalty. And for 2020, the same eligibility criteria is in place. So again, the majority of clinicians who bill Medicare Part B will be required to comply with the program. But it's becoming more and more challenging to comply in a way to stay out of penalty territory because the minimum point threshold to avoid penalties continues to go up. For the 2020 reporting period, a practice must earn 45 points to avoid penalty, and that threshold will increase again to 60 points in 2021. So in fact, CMS appears to be structuring the program such that about half of clinicians will be assessed penalties by the 2022 performance year. In short, no longer is it sufficient to simply comply with the program, but a practice has no choice but to embrace and engage in the program as they now compete to earn points 
and must compete strategically to be able to earn each and every point available to them to be able to stay on the right side of the penalty line. And what about the financial significance of the program? How significant are the financial implications of MIPS? Right. It's becoming more and more challenging to stay out of penalty territory as the minimum points threshold to avoid penalties continues to grow. But also the penalty assigned or the negative payment adjustment, which is placed on each and every Medicare Part B claim submitted within a year, is growing for the 2020 reporting period. It's 9% negative payment adjustment. And this increased from 7% penalty in 2019. So again, the points required to avoid penalty increases, while at the same time the penalty increases in 2020. And so this trend has significant financial implications on a practice's revenue. And in totality, to put it into context, if a practice does nothing or not enough to avoid a penalty, based on the 2020 rules, they will receive a 9% payment reduction paid on claims filed in 2022. And as a point of grounding with that, with a 9% penalty and assuming the minimum eligibility level, the penalty will impact the practice with a reduction in reimbursement to the tune of over $8,100 per provider if a practice doesn't comply or enough points aren't earned to avoid the penalty. Gosh, that's quite a bit. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to First Talk Compliance, and my guest today is Sarah Ryder. Vice President, Strategic Partnerships, Health e-Filings, about the topic of maximizing Medicare reimbursements by optimizing your MIPS score. Given the fact that compliance is critical and the financial implications are significant, what are the elements of the MIPS program? At least, can you provide a high-level overview at this time? Sure. So the MIPS program is very, very complex and very nuanced. And on top of that, the rules of the game, per se, change every 12 months. So the final ruling for the 2020 reporting period was released on November 1st of 2019, just two months ago, and was over 800 pages and gave the context and the parameters of the program and the way points are earned for the 2020 reporting period, which started at the beginning of January 2020. And with that said, the MIPS program, which as I mentioned earlier, is the consolidation of previously existing programs, is a points-based program. And overall, there are 100 possible points. The goal is to earn the maximum number of points to either avoid a penalty or earn a positive payment adjustment. The program has four categories, quality, promoting interoperability, improvement activities, and cost. And of these categories, three of the categories are active categories, meaning that a practice must engage, track, and report data to earn points while cost, the fourth category, is passive, meaning CMS gathers the data for that category. 
So, okay, quality. The quality category is worth the greatest number of points. And based on a number of factors, the category is worth anywhere from 45 to 85 points, or 45 to 85% of the overall score. So this is the most important category to be focused on throughout the year, and is where a practice can really make an impact. And ultimately, out of all of the possible quality measures available for tracking and analyzing, one must submit six measures per clinician under each respective TIN. And while that may sound st fairly straightforward, this is where the devil is in the detail, because the selection of those measures hinges on reporting measures in which a practice's particular performance is better than the performance of their peers. And peers here is defined by any and all clinicians submitting data for that measure on a national basis. So not based on a geographic area or a specialty. And the practice's performance is benchmarked against the peers and it's the benchmarked performance, and therefore which decile they fall into, that will determine the points allocated for each measure. So think of it as grading on a curve. But the scoring gets more complicated from there, because not all measures are alike. There are additional considerations and details set by CMS that can result in a particular measure being penalized and getting significant point reductions and can result in a practice sub-optimizing their score if the wrong measures are selected and submitted regardless of the practice's performance. And because every point counts, it's critical to understand which measures may or may not have issues and selecting the, the best six measures for a practice is critical to that practice's earning points. So to put this into perspective, based on the number of measures available, there are over 9 million combinations of measures that could be submitted per clinician. So needless to say, selecting the best combination of measures to optimize the score manually is an impossible task, and that is where software, like our software, comes into play. So the second category is promoting interoperability. This category is probably the most difficult and challenging category in which to earn points. The way that points are earned in this category is there are 100 possible PI points to earn within the category. And based on the number of PI points earned, that percentage gets applied to the total number of 25 PI points available. This is a high risk category too, in that a zero in any of the PI subcategories results, results in a zero for the category. To further add to the complexity, PI has to be done for a minimum of 90 continuous days within the reporting period. So getting out in front of the category, both from a calendar perspective, as well as a strategy perspective is critical. And using a service that can help advise, prepare, and set an approach so you don't lose the points here and can take advantage of the opportunity is really important. 
So the next category is improvement activities worth 15 points. So this is another category that requires activity to be performed for a minimum of 90 continuous days. So a practice cannot avoid or wait on this requirement. And with that said, the challenge here is that there are 117 possible activities that someone will have to review and evaluate to determine what may best apply to the nature of a practice and what they think they can do, and then they do it. And the final category is the cost category, which is worth 15 points. And because it's a passive category, I'll leave the details out of this conversation. But my objective really today is to provide a high-level perspective that helps you understand and recognize the need for active engagement as it relates to optimizing the score and earning the points through the MIPS program. So again, each and every point earned directly impacts the overall score and is tied directly to the Medicare reimbursements for an entire year. So then what does a practice have to do to comply with that? And how does a practice report the necessary data? For a practice that has decided that they're going to comply, which we highly recommend that you do to avoid the automatic 9% reduction in reimbursements, yeah. it's critical to understand the difference in what needs to be reported and the reporting methodology to be able to make a decision on what path to take. First, I want to get back to what needs to be reported and note that all measures are not the same. There are a lot of different measures and the ones that are most relevant, applicable, and most effective are ECQMs or electronic clinical quality measures. So there are significant advantages of submitting ECQMs as ECQMs result in more points than registry deciles. Additionally, the vast majority of ECQMs have benchmarks. And not only are the points earned is directly correlated to a practice's performance on that sliding benchmark scale, not in the absolute percentage of a practice's performance, but this helps ensure that a practice submits measures that can optimize their score. And it's also important to note that not all reporting methodologies are the same. Many providers erroneously still think that the old legacy system of reporting for past CMS programs called a registry is the only reporting option available to them or that they're required to use a registry. But the misperception and general lack of awareness is detrimental to the financial interests of any practice. And it's fundamentally not true. So CMS does not and cannot mandate how a practice will report to fulfill their reporting obligation. Or a practice may believe that their reporting is taken care of by their EHR, but this too is not necessarily true, and there are significant disadvantages to using an EHR for MIPS reporting. In fact, the 2019 reporting period was a real tipping point where for the first time, 
traditional legacy reporting systems like registry or EHR might have been unable to fulfill enough of the reporting criteria to avoid the minimum score penalty. So Sarah, what is the best methodology for a practice to use to report for MIPS? To give the answer to this question, I want to restate that the goal of the MIPS program is to assist CMS with their push for more valid data submitted through technology and to refocus providers from merely using technology towards providers leveraging technology to improve outcomes. So CMS is incentivizing practices with bonuses to those practices who file using an end-to-end -end electronic solution known as a CERT because they've determined that the data is more valid and therefore more valuable to them. A CERT, like healthy filings, is the superior reporting methodology and will help a practice in that the practice will save significant time, have access to better benchmarking, earn more points, and ultimately receive higher reimbursement. So re reporting through a CERT dramatically improves the efficiency and the effectiveness of the MIPS reporting process, especially when done using ONC certified software. And also, ASSERT utilizes eCQMs, which are a better way to optimize the points that can be earned. And when the process utilizes ONC-certified software and is therefore an end-to-end -end electronic solution, CMS awards significant bonus points towards the provider's MIPS score. But the registry approach, by contrast, leaves the burden of the work, the measure selection, and the calculation in your hands. So the bottom line is that a registry is the least effective and least efficient way to earn points. And additionally, an EHR is primarily a repository for patient data. But since the key to MIPS is being able to track how you're doing throughout the year, and ultimately to use that data for compliance and reporting, while your EHR is the centralized repository of the data, it doesn't do anything with the data to prepare it or to help the practice to optimize the MIPS score. So again, given the nature of the program and the complexity and nuances in the way that points are earned, assert like healthy filings is the best, most efficient, and most effective approach to complying with the MIPS program. We're now in early 2020. Is it too late to do anything for the 2019 reporting period? And then thinking forward for other dates in 2020, what should we be thinking of going forward? Sure. So a, a good question. The short answer is no. It's not too late to engage with a partner like Healthy Filings to support your practice to report for 2019. But time is of the essence. So the reporting period for 2019 closed at the end of the calendar year 2019. So that data is in your rearview mirror. But that said, though, the program requires that you submit a full year's worth of data and with all payers, all patients. 
So you must report on data retroactively back to t January 1st, 2019 to fulfill that reporting obligation. So the submission window, which is now open and may be open through the end of March, though CMS reserves the right to move that date up at any time. While time is of the essence, we can work with you to meet your reporting obligation for the 2019 reporting period. But now looking forward, now is the time to engage for 2020 so that you have the ability to impact the data into the EHR and because there are strategic recommendations and maneuvering that can be done to put your best foot forward for the current 2020 reporting period. Yeah, because it's, it's wonderful to get things taken care of and then to also be thinking and be prepared going forward. That's so a, wonderful. That's exactly right. Okay. Then thinking ahead, how can health e-filings help a practice with MIPS compliance? Sure. Health e-filings core services can be characterized as falling within two buckets. And at the core of both of these services is that we provide a cloud-based enterprise solution that maximizes Medicare reimbursements and revenue. So depending on what the client's objectives are or potentially the client's circumstances, we'll determine which service is most appropriate for the situation. So either what's branded as the MIPS Accelerator or the QM Accelerator service. And our MIPS Accelerator is predominantly a service that will help practices whose primary objective is to earn enough points to get out of the penalty box. And this service, which is a turnkey end-to-end -end solution, and at the end of the reporting period, it extracts a full year's worth of data from any EHR or billing system. And then within our data warehouse, we perform the data analysis, measure calculation, benchmarking, measure selection, and then we'll electronically package a file that we submit directly to CMS on behalf of the client. So it's a fully turnkey, one-and-done approach to compliance, ensuring it's done both accurately and completely with the annual submission. For those clients who want to be more engaged and want to go after the opportunity to earn positive payment adjustments, including potentially uh, getting into the bonus pool, we have an additional service that builds on the MIPS Accelerator service called QM Accelerator, and that's the service best suited for those clients. And in this service, we have a customizable web-based dashboard that we update throughout the year and present back to the client so that the client can get insight and visibility into the performance and quality and promoting interoperability categories and it helps them drive their quality initiatives as well as positions them well for their in their performance. So the, the dashboard was developed in a way also where use of the dashboard fulfills all points and activities in improvement activities. So it is very intuitive, very robust, and providers can get actionable data to be able to drill down from the overall performance to a provider to a patient level. Well, thanks for being with us today. You gave us so much very, very interesting information, very informative, and I really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. We're, we're happy to, to 
partner with you guys to share this critical information. Thank you. And thanks to our audience for tuning in to First Talk Compliance. You can learn more about the show on the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com and lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at FirstHCC or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. You can also email me at Short at FirstHCC.com. I'm Catherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. Remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind.